0: Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today.
1: The Dallas Cowboys look like the favorites in the NFC. Then they face the Arizona Cardinals and things got worse. How about them Cowboys? Also, what is going on with the Jaguars? And is the Pac-12 really the best conference in college football right now? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today.
0: Searching
2: all major sports.
1: Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Dallas Cowboys put together one of the more puzzling performances of the week three slate. A 28 to 16 game. That seems like that's right in where this game should have been. Except it was 28, 16 Cardinals over the Cowboys. Landon McCool joins me now from Locked On Cowboys. Landon. There's been some discussion since the game. Dak <laughs> yeah. Prescott, the offensive line, the defense. Where do you lay the lion's share of the blame for this one?
0: Well, I definitely think that the defense underperformed. I mean, there's just there's just no two ways around that. I mean, especially considering the kind of standard that they set the first two weeks yeah. to it, it, go in and play the lesser of the three teams, the least of the three teams, I guess, uh, and and to and to have them put up 28 points when you only allowed you know, uh, 10 against uh, the others, it seems pretty ridiculous. Um I, I think, you know, so defense definitely is probably first off the bat, but but honestly, you know, going back and watching the game, you know, it felt like they kind of righted the ship after a while. And, 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 and in the first half, it was all defensive penalties, basically. The Cowboys had 10 penalties for like 74 yards or something in the first half. And then the defense couldn't, you know, couldn't manage to stop Cardinals. And then the second half, you know, when, when they things seems things seem to get stabilized a little bit for the defense, the Cowboys offense could not score a touchdown, uh, in the red zone, despite five attempts inside the Arizona 10 yard line, um, four attempts. I'm sorry. In the second half. So, uh, you know, it, 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 it was, it was really, really a a kind of a tale of two halves really. And, 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 and how they, they both managed to kind of, Come together for a loss, which was really <laughs> heartwarming in one way, but uh, terrible for uh, the Cowboys <laughs> fans to watch.
1: Yeah. If I had told you before the game, the Cowboys would rush 33 times for a buck 85, average yeah. over five and a half yards a carry, you probably would have said, Okay. Um, did the Cowboys win by 20? And so that does lead us to the passing game with Dak Prescott. And, and yeah, they were missing more than half of their starting offensive <laughs> line. But what happened to this passing game?
0: Well, I think the passing game was great as long as you don't look at any of the clips inside the Arizona (laughs) ten-yard line, Peter. I think everything outside of that, and and I'm not being, I'm not joking. Like honestly, the game, if you look at all the numbers, they were moving the ball at will, you know, all up and down the field. But as soon as they got inside the ten-yard line, Dak ended up going zero for five for all his attempts inside the ten-yard line. I think in the second half, and then zero for seven overall. Uh, I think what happened is that they got news on Thursday afternoon that they likely were going to be missing. Not only half their their starting offensive line, but the best half of their starting offensive line. and uh they I think what happened is that they overreacted in their game planning and it showed out the worst uh uh in 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 the uh, goal line situations they 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 had a couple of failed runs early when they got into the goal line and I think they just hit the panic button and decided that they couldn't run the ball uh, inside the ten yard line and so they attempted uh, a bunch of ill-advised kind of passing situations and I think that the reason the passing game was working with that offensive line, you know, between the 20s, if you will, is because they were using the quick passing game and they were using it quite well and they were moving the ball that way. That wasn't gonna work inside the red zone, especially inside the low red zone, because everything's condensed. It's just harder to kind of move operate that way. And and if you don't have the time to kind of stand back there and let things develop or or let somebody free open because you're getting good pass blocking, then you know, your passing game is, is probably just not going to look very good. And that's essentially what happened, especially for the, uh, the second half, where it was just atrocious to watch them try to pass and block anyone uh, once they cross the, the Mendoza line of the 10-yard line. Yeah, and, and it doesn't get any easier for the Cowboys over the next five weeks. They have to
1: play no. very good Patriots defense. So you got to get this offense in the red zone figured out. Then you got to play the Cowboys, Chargers, Rams, and Eagles in consecutive weeks. So how does Dallas get this figured out?
0: Uh, You know, I I, look. I I think it's a.
2: It's
0: everyone. Everyone has one of these stinkers every year, and and I think that's what happened with the Cowboys. And I'm hoping it's a wake up call. I think there are some real issues that are going to carry over that they need to look into, specifically some of the running back. Uh, I'm sorry. The quarterback running situation stuff. You know, we saw Dobbs run all over the Cowboys. I think he had a 44 yarder in the first quarter that really kind of set the tone. There were several other runs where he was able to, you know, skip free through through holes in the pocket because they, they had the rushers on different levels, so it, it created a crease for him to slip through. I, I think those are real issues that the Cowboys defense is going to have to work through. I think the offense, you know, look, uh, it's a small sample size for the red zone, and I think that you know, really having having not your half your offensive line in the game, especially, like I said, you know, Tyron Smith and, and, and Zach Martin, like these, these are guys that that make a difference in the game. I think that will likely help with a lot of the red zone stuff because this was a team that was, you know, one of the better red zone teams in in football last year and
1: stay up to date on the Dallas Cowboys by subscribing to locked on sports today and locked on Cowboys on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Jaguars haven't had the best start to the season. Can they turn it around? Before we answer that, the Jets have added a quarterback. Love the convenience of getting what you want right to your door? With DoorDash Grocery Delivery, you can stock up for the week or order last-minute cravings conveniently. Need fresh groceries for the week, but don't have time to go to the store? This is me as a parent of two all the time. Try Grocery Delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered When you need it, right to your door. With easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 when you use code LOCKED at checkout. Limited time offer. Terms apply. That's code LOCKED for 50% off that first order with DoorDash. Now, here's what you need to be
0: locked on today.
1: The New York Jets added Trevor Simeon to their quarterback room after Zach Wilson totally wasn't to blame for their latest loss. Simeon was in camp with the Cincinnati Bengals this year. His last regular season experience came with the Denver Broncos during the 2016 and 2017 seasons. Coincidentally, the Jets received a letter from a prospective backup quarterback who also played in the NFL seven years ago last, Colin Kaepernick wrote a letter to the Jets to show his commitment to returning to the NFL. The letter was shared by rapper J. Cole for some reason. And speaking of music connections to football, Taylor Swift's trip to watch Kansas City Chiefs star Travis Kelsey play football Sunday didn't just take the internet by storm. After the 12-time Grammy Award winner's appearance at Arrowhead Stadium, jersey sales for the All-Pro tight end skyrocketed. According to sportswear and fan-merchandise company Fanatics, Kelsey's jersey was one of the top five sellers for NFL on Sunday. He saw a nearly 400% spike in sales through the Fanatics network of sites, including NFLShop.com. The Swifties will come out. Hall of Fame Baltimore Orioles third baseman Brooks Robinson has died. He was 86. The Orioles held a moment of silence before their game against the Washington Nationals and the team lined up outside their dugouts to pay their respects. Robinson spent his entire 23-year career with the Orioles. He almost single-handedly helped Baltimore defeat Cincinnati in the 1970 World Series and homered in game one of the Orioles' 1966 sweep of the LA Dodgers for their first crown. And on the diamond, Ellie De La Cruz recorded his first multi homer game as the Reds took care of business against the Guardians.
0: Ellie De La Cruz picked a heck of a time for his first career multi homer game. What's up? This is Jeff Carr from the Lockdown Reds podcast. And the Cincinnati Reds guarantee that they will finish the season no worse than 500. If you called that coming into this season, you were far more. Well, let's face it. Nobody was calling that because the Reds were not expected to be this good and Ellie de la Cruz is a huge reason why they've been so much better. Yes, his performances have been very inconsistent lately, but he broke out in a huge way on Tuesday night multi homer game even had a single to boot scored three times. He was a huge Catalyst, huge scoring weapon for this Reds team. Bullpen shuts it down after Hunter Green struggles, and the Reds get a much-needed win. Can't lose the rest of the way. Four more left. Here is another story you need to know.
1: The Jacksonville Jaguars had it in the bag against the Houston Texans until C.J. Stroud showed up and started throwing the ball all over the yard. A 37-17 butt-kicking of Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Has Jacksonville looking around going, uh, wait, what happened? Now one and two, the favorites to win the AFC South, trying to figure things out. Tony Wiggins from Locked On Jaguars, always figuring things out for us. And and so, Tony, what what is the bigger problem right now for this Jaguars team? Because it feels like you could go either way, offense or defense.
2: We're going with drops and blocks. How about that? Drops and blocks. The wide receivers lead the league. And drop passes. So that's not a good thing. And then there's no room for margin of error. There's no room. And the reason for that is because you can't beat what you can't block. They're not blocking people. Trevor's running for his life. Uh, one side of the line is playing okay. Walker Little's doing all right at left tackle, but they basically had a rookie, Anton Harrison, trying to block Chris Brown. I mean, Chris Brown, that that'd be hard to do, wouldn't it? Chris Jones, when they moved him out the defensive end, and they didn't help him. The middle three aren't working very well. Brandon Sheriff hasn't played particularly well. You just can't block what you can't beat. When you don't win the trenches, then you have to literally win everything else. And the Jaguars let a fullback, a 270-pound fullback, mm. mishandle the kickoff on one side of the field, pick it up, and proceed to look like Barry freaking Sanders. <laughs> everything went wrong. So it's like once you saw the fullback and then you look at the replay and you see dudes jogging, you're like, they ain't winning today. That's just, it's just what it is. They're not winning.
1: As someone who once saw Dan Connolly, who was a backup offensive lineman, return a kick against the Green Bay Packers back in the day for the New England Patriots, um, I, I felt you on that one for sure. Uh, it, it, this feels like a season so far where the numbers are not going to do Trevor Lawrence justice. He is making some absolutely unbelievable throws. You mentioned the the league-leading drops. Calvin Ridley had a couple just absolute stone cold drops in this game where you go, this is what we brought you here for. Right. And so that seems like it's the kind of thing that can even out over time, but it still has to do that. Is there anything Doug Peterson can do to your mind to make things easier on this offense? Cause it feels like right now they're playing in a little bit of hard mode.
2: They keep talking about execution and they keep talking about just getting it right and going back to the drawing board. And when you start to people would help to your point. Right. But when you start hearing coaches say stuff like maybe scale it back and simplify things a little bit, I think they're getting the ball to too many people. They're they're being really cute. Like Jamal Agnew, good player, great special teams, one of the top three or four return guys in the league. They use him as a little bit of a change of pace guy. He's fumbled the ball three of the last four games. And when he's done it, he's done it when we've had great field position, when we've had great momentum or they were going in to score. You know what? You sit guys like that. As much as you like them, you say, you're hurting us right now, and I can't give you the ball. They need to come out. It's Trevor Lawrence. It's Travis Etienne. It's Calvin Ridley. It's it's Ingram, the tight end, and then a little bit of Christian Kirk. They need to ride those guys until the wheels fall off, until they get a lead, and then maybe start incorporating some of these other people. They just need to lean on their better players.
1: This was a Houston Texans team that came in extremely banged up along the offensive line. They hit C.J. Stroud. Four times, did not sack him once. This is theoretically why you use the number one pick on Trayvon Walker, when even if Josh Allen isn't 100%, you have someone else who can pick up the slack. Why are they not getting more out of this defensive front?
2: I, I think he's lined up wrong, and uh, they they have those guys. For the most part, they're in a 3-4, and they're angled towards the the quarterback. When I see teams play against the Jaguars, I see the defensive ends line straight up. And when they pass rush, they take four yards up the field before they even turn to the quarterback. I don't like the way they're being taught to rush. I think Trayvon might might end up being a better three technique. They put 10 pounds on him and get him up to 282, 285. Now he's doing what he did at Georgia. He's in close proximity. He has an advantage over those guys. He's just not a natural pass rusher, and I think they thought they could develop develop him into that because he's 6'5", runs a 4'5", can dunk basketballs all different kinds of ways. They saw his athletic profile, but here's what they did. They might have made a misjudgment. He is a guy that I think at some point will start getting seven, eight sacks a year, but he's just not that dude that wakes up trying to chase quarterbacks. Those guys are natural. I think they're born that way, and I just don't think that's what he is at this point.
1: And there's a guy up in Detroit right now who does oh, seem like he yeah. was born that way. I, I didn't mean to throw a little yeah. shot in there, but uh, just stay up to date on the Jacksonville Jaguars by subscribing to locked on sports today and locked on Jaguars on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube coming up. Is the PAC 12, the best conference in college football, this has been quite the year for the PAC 12. It's pretty much the last year of the conference as most schools have jumped ship, go off the bang, right? So why does it seem like they're killing it in football? Locked on Pac-12 host Spencer McLaughlin has more. There is a case that can be made for several teams as the best in the Pac-12, which is still the best conference in the country. We don't have eight teams ranked anymore. We have a meager six. Oh. O- only half the Overrated. league. Only half the league is ranked. But here's the thing: uh, the Pac-12 looks really good right now against. I don't know, teams that aren't Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, even Alabama in a down year. It's not the same. It's just not the same right now. We've seen this before out of Pac-12 schools, even out of Big Ten schools, ACC schools. They look really good in the regular season and then come college football playoff time or come bowl season. They don't look quite so good when they have to go against the big boy, big boys, the actual blue blood programs because sorry, Pac-12, like there's not a blue blood there anymore. USC is not that program anymore until they get back on the national stage and start competing for national titles. But this is not 2005. They haven't done it in a really long time. Even if Caleb Williams is there and is awesome. And by the way, both of those things true. Let's, let's pump the brakes. Let's see what these teams look like when they have to play other really, really good teams. When we get to the playoff, if they have multiple teams in the playoff and you've got you know USC Oregon for the title, yeah, cool. Let's talk about them being the best conference in college football. Until then, relax. And finally, Lou Holtz isn't backing down. Holtz called out Ohio State's lack of physicality in losses to premier opponents on the Pat McAfee show last week. When the Buckeyes beat the Fighting Irish, Ohio State coach Ryan Day made a living. Michael Jordan and I took that personally meme and called out Holtz's comments before the game, probably during the game, after the game. Speaking to Dan Dockage on his show Monday, Holtz said, I don't feel bad about saying it because I believed it. Notre Dame was a better football team, he said. It's only a matter of time before Ryan Day has more thoughts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports Today, who will get their third win of the season, the Lions or the Packers? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports Today.